while we haven't got a lifetime of memories to hang on to, to dip into, have those conversations, we've still got a lifetime of hopes and dreams and wonder and aspirations for this baby who fitted into this family in this place. For many parents I've met over the years, the foundations of your world have just rumbled. Yet you look out from where you are and there's just a lack of acknowledgement and a misunderstanding. I know that the parents that I do talk to, there's a real struggle when just generally people saying, no one's talking about my baby, no one is talking about my experience, and they are all expecting me to do this thing called move on, which I don't know what that is, because I miss and love my baby so much. We don't need to make people feel better. We can just be in their presence and acknowledge something awful that happened, and we can say, I'm so sorry that your baby died. That's all we need to do. That in itself is supportive. These episodes are for educational purposes only. This should not be used to replace clinical diagnosis or support. Some topics may be sensitive, so please take care of yourself. Today, we are talking about baby loss. This may bring up many emotions, so if you want to stop this episode, please do. If you think you want to listen at another time with a friend or family member with you, please do. And if you don't want to listen at all, that's perfectly okay. Please do what's right for you and look after yourself. Over 600 babies die between 20 weeks gestation and 12 months of age. It is also estimated that 1 to 2 out of 10 pregnancies result in miscarriage. When a young baby is lost, parents are faced with so much grief and so many questions and a process that you never think you would need to go through. Whether it's registering a death, milk suppression, when your body is carrying on as if you have a baby to feed, questions around ceremonies and funerals and making memories if you can. But what happens after this time has passed, when it seems like everyone else is carrying on with their lives, but you as a mum or dad continue to grieve? Talking about this with me today is Vicky Cullen. Welcome, Vicky. Thanks, Serena. You have experienced a loss of a baby in the past. Can you tell me a bit about yourself as well as your parenting journey? Sure, Kilda. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for choosing to talk about baby loss. It's a topic that sometimes we tend to avoid because it feels such, such an awful thing to think about and talk about. So I'm mother to two children, and our first daughter died many years ago. Now she was our first, and very excited, had a normal pregnancy, and then I was ten days overdue, went in to be induced, and had those words said to me that many parents around the country, around the world hear, and it changes their life forever, which is, I'm sorry, we can't find a heartbeat. And then I birthed her. It's interesting. I was 10 days overdue, full-term baby, but still we were really nervous and unsure what she would look like. 
in that at that point we didn't know if it was a little girl or boy and of course she looked like a almost eight pound baby who looked like she was asleep but she had started to change color a little bit starting to get a little bit dark and of course often babies have yeah their fingernails and lips will go quite dark as well she was beautiful we called her Aster D and then I was lucky enough the following year 13 months later I have our second daughter Phoebe so Aster her 25th birthday is coming up this year and Phoebe is 23 and she'll be 24 so it's a long time ago for me and in some ways it doesn't seem very long ago at all and I feel like I can be back there in in a moment and I'm sure that's the experience for many bereaved parents around the country. This time takes it on a different sort of weird, it's quite elastic. It feels ages ago and not ages ago at the very same time. You've gone through this journey yourself about 25 years ago. And in more recent years, you have also been supporting parents who have lost young ones. Can you tell me a little bit about the support that you provide? Sure. So I, at the time when our daughter died, I was completing my PhD thesis and I had done a degree in education and a degree in social work. And my PhD was a women's health topic. And so there was this sort of natural pull for me to go into this field, really. I was surrounded with great support. I had finished my master's in social work so I had a lot of friends who were social workers who were very open and supportive and talked and met our baby and so I went along to some SANS meetings and I was quite surprised at how unsupported a lot of people were and that's really what drew me in to get involved with SANS Then I was lucky enough in 2006 to win a Vodafone World of Difference Award. And at that point, it was to work for the charity of your choice. And I was able to work for SANS for a year, have a salary and an expense account, and was able to really help connect SANS groups around the country and really reinvigorate SANS New Zealand as an organisation. For those that don't know, what SANS or oh, Sorry, yes. Yeah. Originally, SANS was a UK organisation standing for Stillbirth and Neonatal Death Society. And then in New Zealand, when it was set up, it was changed to Stillbirth and Newborn Death Support. Now it's just a capital S and then lowercase A-N-D-S. And we just say we're an organisation that supports families when their babies and children die. And that's because so many parents felt like maybe they didn't fit the category of support if their baby wasn't stillborn or a newborn death. And we wanted to just open our door widely and let all parents know they were worthy of support and we would support them as much as we could. It's a small voluntary non-profit organisation. It gets one piece of government funding. That's the support packs that are in the hospitals. They are funded by uh, the Ministry of Health. Otherwise, everything is grants and donations and fundraising and it's essentially bereaved parents paying it forward for other bereaved parents. Essentially SANS and some other smaller groups around the country, Baby Lost New Zealand, Miscarriage Matters, small voluntary groups provide the bulk of support throughout our nation. 
You mentioned SANS and the terminology has changed slightly. So parents know regardless of when they lost their baby that they can access some support. Just for clarity, when someone's talking about baby loss, what does that mean? So we often talk about like perinatal and infant loss and the perinatal period is from a medical point of view, it's from 20 weeks gestation to 28 days after birth. And then the infant period is from birth to 12 months. While other groups have used the word perinatal to mean the whole pregnancy and birth and infant stage, we have a lot to do with medical. So it's easier to say baby loss, to use that as a wider net, because whether you were pregnant with a baby under 20 weeks or over 20 weeks or whether your baby died soon after birth or as a three-month-old or a six-month-old. These were all our precious babies and all worthy of compassion and support. Baby loss is a general term referring to all gestations and all ages. And in fact, in, I was involved with the Sands in Wellington Hutt Valley locally and still am. And we just are really clear that we have a very open door policy and anyone can come to our meetings who is a bereaved parent. Vicky, I recognise that every person's experience of losing a baby is different. We've talked about that loss being either during pregnancy or after. Can you explain, I guess the best that you can, some of what parents would be going through during this time? Sure. I think because baby loss isn't a widely discussed topic, it's not, it's not something that everyone in society feels comfortable about. So there's a lack of awareness and knowledge there. Often for parents, there's a massive shock because many parents, especially in support meetings, have said, I didn't realize that babies died. And there's an expectation that yeah, we have this technology, that we're able to ensure that lives are saved and so people can be really shocked and then they'll say, and then I found out how many babies die and they just can't believe it. Twice the road toll. Why do we not hear about this? It's also can be a very isolating experience and until parents maybe discover any networks, groups such as SANS and Baby Loss New Zealand, who they can tap into, it can feel very isolating like you're the only person who has ever gone through this. Depending on the gestation of your baby, you may end up being transferred to tertiary care in hospital. And our hospital practices have changed incredibly. So we have wonderful memory making. Our midwives are generally trained in bereavement support. And so there's a feeling of being looked after in hospital. And then when you go home, that's when it can be a real feeling of isolation because there's no wraparound service. There's nothing you might not hear from anybody. Hopefully you'll get your postnatal care from your midwife. But other than that, people can feel very much on their own bereaved parents. Sometimes parents' response can depend on the care and support that they've received along the way. And it's very different and it can vary around the country as well. There's a real feeling too, I think, in society that because it's a little life, then it's a little loss and not as important as perhaps different deaths of people such as young teenagers, adults and older. 
sand strap line is a little life, not a little loss. Because while we haven't got a, a lifetime of memories to hang on to, to dip into, have those conversations, we've still got a lifetime of hopes and dreams and wonder and aspirations for this baby who fitted into this family in this place. Maybe we've got other living children. Maybe it's our first. But as soon as you see those lines on that stick for a pregnant woman or a pregnant person, then your life is catapulted into the future. And you think, oh my gosh, this is what lies ahead for me. Some, sometimes it's a little bit scary. You might not be planned, but there's an anticipation and a wonder and babies are nothing but joy and innocence and beauty. To lose all that, to have your baby die is just devastating. For many parents I've met over the years, the foundations of your world have just rumbled. Yet you look out from where you are and there's just a lack of acknowledgement and a misunderstanding. There's a real, it's almost like a paradox. I'm hurting so much and yet I'm not seeing anything reflected back to say, you know, this compassion and support because of the lack of awareness. You've mentioned some of the challenges that they face when it comes to what is reflected back, the support that they may need through this period of hurt that they may not be receiving. What about for parents, if it is their very first time where they are experiencing that joy and, as you say, that catapult into the future, what are some specific challenges that they may face? Bereaved parents with no living children. Yeah, there can be a real invisibility for those parents. There can be this belief from some people in our communities, in society, that believe that to be a parent, you need to physically have your children with you. I just see that as a real lack of understanding. For these parents, they've birthed these beautiful babies. And for some, I'm thinking of parents in particular who I know, you know, for some it's multiple children who have died. And then there's a readjustment to life. If we grow up possibly thinking that we're going to be parents and have our living children around us, and so our life is going to be a certain way, and then there's the situation is that we don't. We've had these beautiful babies, and they've died. And we are parents with no living children. I'm using the royal we here. Obviously, that's not my experience. For those parents moving through a society, living in a community that really doesn't understand is really hard. How do you present yourself as a parent if you haven't got living children around you to, to talk about? There's so many things in society that we, we focus on our children. We say, how many children have you got? And what schools do they go to and what sports do they play? You can imagine when asking that, how many children have you got? And you say, I've had four babies who have died. And then, boom, that conversation stops because someone's like, well, I've got nothing else to ask. But in fact, there's lots to ask. Do you want to tell me about those babies? What are their names? I'm so sorry to hear that. You're obviously still a mother or a father or a parent. And yeah, that, that is one group, like within baby loss, we've got lots of different sort of subgroups of people who have all experienced different ways of our babies dying and then different experiences after our babies have died. And this is one group who are parents. 
I often talk about parenting in absence, parenting without our baby physically present with us. But we still parent our babies, even though they're not here. Sometimes it's a physical thing. Like I've heard many times parents talking about, and this is recently bereaved parents who have come to a support meeting and their baby has been buried. And the first time it rained, they went to the cemetery and laid raincoats or tarpaulin over their baby's grave because they didn't want them to be wet. I know for some people it just sounds weird, but this is so normal for us as bereaved mm. parents that this is the sort of things we do. Adorning our baby's grave is part of that parenting experience and how we remember them and their legacy. That is all part of how we remember them and parent in absence. And so for these parents with no living children, they're still doing all of that. They're parenting in absence, but in a society that struggles to understand that. And you've mentioned parenting in absence. And I said, I love what you said about the first time it rained, where some parents have put raincoats or something over, over that grave. Because if it was a live child, you would put a raincoat on them, right? Mm. If you haven't experienced it, you don't know. Mm. If you haven't been touched by this, you don't know. Talking about those particular parents, the ones that are parenting in absence, how do those parents experience these special days that we have, the birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, what do they go through during those specific times of the year? Those days can be hard for some parents and for some they prepare for them and they maybe have some strategies or tell their families around them that this is what I'm going to be doing on Mother's Day. Maybe it means visiting our children's graves or doing something in in their honour. But if you think about all of the marketing and advertising that for Mother's Day and Father's Day, there's nothing there for the parents whose children aren't with them physically. Those children have died. There's no Mother's Day cards for saying, Happy Mother's Day, I'm sorry, your children aren't here with you. I haven't seen them. How amazing to be wrong and have Hallmark produce a whole range of them, but I haven't seen them. There are, within the baby loss community, the Sunday before Mother's Day, the Sunday before Father's Day, it's been declared International Bereaved Mother's Day and International Bereaved Father's Day. And that's a way of acknowledging all of us as mothers and fathers whose babies have died, and especially those who have no living children. There's different viewpoints on that. So for some bereaved parents, I love it. I love having this day just for us. And for some bereaved parents, it's I'm a mother, I'm a father. I don't need a special day. I can celebrate just like everyone else. If it makes other people uncomfortable, so be it. So there's a different um, feelings about that. Christmas can be really hard too if you've got no living children because the focus is on children. Christmas is generally focused on the children's experience of that day and that's another day that's really hard and how you acknowledge your baby your children on that day and hope that others might acknowledge it everyone has really different experiences with their families and friends some of them are awesome and really supportive and will acknowledge on mother's day on father's day at christmas and others struggle and that's all about our own personal journey around grief and loss and how we approach it. Moving on, there are some parents who have older children that have obviously lost a a little sibling. What are some ways children grieve their sibling? Children 
are pretty amazing little people. And that's one thing over the years, I've just heard so many incredible stories about how children are quite literal. Parents will talk about how they'll be at a gathering and no one's mentioned their baby that has died. And then the little cousin or niece or nephew will say, hey, your baby died, didn't they? Your baby's in the ground or something like that. And everyone's just horrified. And they're just so happy that it was the child that brought it up, said it as it was, and were really happy to then have that conversation. Kids often move from subject to subject. So they'll talk about the baby and then they're like, oh, ice cream, you know, and then they're off running. Kids, depending on their developmental stages, they grieve in different ways as well. And I'm certainly not an expert in this at all. Little kids will similarly grieve, be sad, and then they'll be off doing something and then they'll be sad again. They're not sad all the time. They're often concerned that their parents are sad. And little kids under two will not necessarily understand exactly what's happened, but they know something's happened. Everything's changed. And you'll often see children's grief in their behavior. So their behavior might change and look different. It might be that they're acting out slightly. They're trying to work out what's going on. We don't have lots of services for kids and grief in New Zealand. We've got an amazing place in Wellington called Skylight to support children through grief, change, and loss. Aotearoa uh, uh, Tamariki and Rangatahi uh, Grief Support Network has just been set up, linking people to support throughout the country. For kids, it's, it's hard, and it's hard for parents seeing their kids grieve. And depending on the gestation and depending on when you've told your children, depending on how old the children are about this baby that's coming, they're very excited about being a big brother or big sister. It's a struggle for them just as much for the parents to understand why this baby who is going to come home isn't coming home perhaps from the hospital, and when do I get to see them? There's a few books and some expertise about how we talk to children about death and what we say to them. We talk about that in support meetings sometimes, not to use the term like born sleeping and saying that baby is sleeping because children are so literal and they will perhaps worry about if they go to sleep or if their parents go to sleep, they might not wake up. Explaining it to your children is hard. And there's a really great New Zealand book called What's Happened to Baby? which was a combined effort between Skylight in Wellington, SIDS Wellington when they existed, and SANS Wellington, illustrated by the awesome Ali Teor. It's a New Zealand-focused book for children from three to seven. It talks about my little brother or sister died, and you know I feel sad, and here's what we're doing to remember them. It's available through Skylight. Traditionally, if we look back to the 1800s and early 1900s, people used to think that children didn't grieve, like you didn't have to worry, don't tell the children what happened, they won't understand. Probably there's still some sediment of that. I like to think that we don't think like that anymore, but certainly I would really encourage parents to include their children in every aspect. And that's a huge big decision because when a baby dies, parents are faced with the decision of do we bring our children in to the hospital, perhaps if I'm talking about a later gestation, and meet the baby who has died. And that's a big decision for parents to make. All I can do is go by anecdotal evidence. 
and say that all families that I know whose children have met their deceased siblings, it's been sad and it's been really, sometimes really hard, but it's been okay that it's made sense and that they've understood that this baby has died. But it's a big decision for parents to make, but I would encourage bereaved parents and families to talk to children about baby and, and include them in everything as well. Baby loss has its own language as well. Children who are born after a loss are sometimes referred to as rainbow children and children who, older kids who their younger siblings have died, sometimes called sunshine children. How do these parents that have older children support the grief that their child is going through when they themselves as parents are still grieving? It's interesting. Many parents over the years I've talked to who have older living children have said, I'm so glad I had them because that's what kept me going. I had to get up and get them off to kindy or get up and tend to their needs and it kept me going. Then on the flip side, so many parents who don't have any older children, I can't imagine what that would have been like because you wouldn't have had space for your own grief and you would have had to have been concentrating on them. I feel so lucky that I was just able to just be and work through my grief myself. For some parents, it's really hard because you've got just this raw grief. And if you have a partner, then you're both going through this and very possibly going through it slightly differently because we grieve as we have learned to grieve when we've grown up and what we've seen around us and what we've seen on movies and books and everything. So we might approach it slightly differently. So there's sometimes a little bit of tension there but between the partners because you're so focused on yourself and because life's just sometimes feels like it's falling apart. And then you've got these kids to look after as well. That's where it's really important to have a network of support, family and friends. And for people, it ultimately that they would wrap around that family. Some of these parents may go on to have living children. So for these families, how do they preserve the memory of their little lost loved one? For families who have experienced baby loss and then go on to have subsequent children, the babies who have died are just part of the family. So they're included in lots of different ways. Sometimes it's tangible ways. So when that baby has died, they may have had castings done, hand and footprints, maybe baby's ashes are in a teddy. There's photos that you can do. You can have a shadow of the child who isn't there. So there's a lot of ways that people incorporate their baby who has died into their family and they just are there. Again, they're, they're absent but they are present at the same time. Sometimes those tangible things, those tangible memories are some of the ways that they're preserving the memory of their little one. Kids grow up knowing that they had an older sibling who died and talk about them all the time. It's interesting how some kids see them as an older sibling or see them as still a baby. It brings a whole new element to parenting for our bereaved parents because we sometimes need to go to kindy and have a little chat to the teacher to say little Bobby had an older brother who died. And so he'll talk about him 
And I just need you to know that when you do the picture of all the family and the new entrant class at school, you explain it all to the teacher because they're going to draw and you think that they're an only child, but actually they've got an older sibling who died. And so there's interesting conversations that you have. A lot of kids who grow up with an older sibling who died, I want to say are a little bit okay with death because death seems to be part of the conversation as they grow up. We have a lot of laughs at support meetings when people tell stories about their children and the conversations that they've had and the conversations their children have had out in public and how uncomfortable people are when children say things. People will say, have you got brothers and sisters? And they say, yes, I've got two older brothers who died and they're in heaven. And then leaving it to that adult to have that conversation with that child and and having a little giggle, giggle to ourselves. And yes, it's our children that are that are making preserving the memory as well, that are keeping their presence alive in our family. If we go back to earlier in our conversation, for parents who don't have any living children, you can see how if you've gone on to have subsequent kids, they're the ones that often keep those babies' memories alive. And they're the ones talking about them at Christmas. And they're the ones saying, let's hang a decoration on the tree. So for those families... They maybe have to work a little bit harder to ensure that their baby's memories are kept alive in the same way. And maybe it's nieces and nephews who do that. But if there aren't, if it's all adults around us who struggle talking about death, then it's hard for them to have their baby talked about. If I think about growing up, we went to many memorial services and we just used to have this shelf with, we'd always bring something back from a memorial service and we had photos of Aster and just she was just present in our living room, in our lounge. We would light her candle on her birthday and we would always do something on her birthday. We actively did things and continue to do things throughout our lives and remembering her. Some families might not talk as much about their babies, so their children might not have that same enthusiasm. But many I have met, they're just part of the family and they tell everyone about their family. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, it is. Whether it's actively encouraged or not, but to have these children that do keep those memories alive. You've also mentioned in a previous discussion we've had that there are some families, maybe even some cultures, who think that if a baby dies, they shouldn't be mentioned again. I know you can only probably speak from your experience to the people that you've supported, but from that experience, what impact has this had on those parents? It's some of those different cultures and belief systems. If there's a real expectation that baby won't be talked about again, then often we won't meet those families because they're going against that sort of belief system and seeking support. Sometimes we might, though, and they might come and talk about what surrounds them and how there is an expectation that they won't talk about their baby. I, I can't comment on other cultures, but I know that it's a different experience for all families and for some people within a belief system or a culture that has an expectation that they won't talk about their baby. For some parents, that's hard. Grief is an expression of love. 
And we all have this love for this baby and it makes a whole lot of sense to want to share them with others and talk about them. So sometimes there's a tension there between the expectations around you and what you are experiencing. It probably sits quite heavy for them because bereaved parents all just need support and love, whoever they are. And yeah, some belief systems may be that the best way we can support you is not to talk about this again. I know that the parents that I do talk to, there's a real struggle when just generally people saying, no one's talking about my baby, no one is talking about my experience, and they are all expecting me to do this thing called move on, which I don't know what that is because I miss and love my baby so much. And then what happens is parents sometimes feel like there's something wrong with them. Everyone seems to be okay about this except me, and I'm struggling, so therefore I'm doing it wrong. And then it gets internalized, and we think there's something wrong with me. So that's what can happen if the messages around us are, this isn't important, you should be moving on. My message to parents is, you are just expressing love for a baby. And that is natural and there's nothing wrong with you. One of the reasons for having this conversation was to find out what is the support that bereaved parents need. And I think this is probably a good way to to move on to that specific conversation Mm. because you've mentioned it's uncomfortable for other people to bring up. Should I mention this lost baby or their child? mentions that their sibling that has passed, what do I do? What do I say? Or do I say nothing at all and pretend I haven't heard it? So for the vast majority of people out there, whether they are parents or not, who are just unsure how to support those that have lost the baby, at least try and explain what it is that a lot of these parents need. One thing that I always say is say their baby's name. That's one thing bereaved Parents, families and whanau that I talk to just love to hear their baby's name and want to know that their baby is remembered. Hearing their baby's name is just music to their ears. You talked about people not knowing what to do and I often talk about this little dance that we do. Maybe baby died six weeks, two months, three months ago and then I'm seeing someone for the first time and they seem okay. They're dressed and they're having a conversation and they haven't said anything yet. So I'm not going to mention the thing that's going to make them sad. So I won't mention it. I'll see what they do. Meanwhile, the parent is going, is anyone going to mention? Everyone's talking like nothing happened and everything's normal. And so there's this little dance we're doing. No one's talking about it. We're skirting around each other. And as the non-bereaved person, I'm just convinced that if I say something about this awful thing, it will make them cry and I will be upset. And I'm none of us want to be the person that makes anyone upset. The one thing that people need to understand is we're thinking about them all the time and we integrate them into our lives. And it's all about, it is sad, but it's also beautiful, this beautiful baby. We generally want to talk about them and want to hear you ask about them. And, and it's, it's almost like a cliche now. It's fine to say, I don't know what to say. I heard about what happened. I heard about your 
little baby, I, I just, I don't know what to say. Most families that I've talked to will say, I'd rather people say that than not say anything at all. So we do this thing of maybe we don't mention it because we don't want to make people sad. And then we do this thing where we want to cheer people up and look for the silver lining because we have this positive psychology cult of positivity around us. So we look for something positive to say and we might say something like, oh, maybe it was meant to be. Oh, at least you have your other children. We think we need to say something that's going to make things a little bit better. Anything after the two words, at least, will never, ever make anyone feel better because what we're asking someone to do is to think about some alternative thing. At least you have your living children, so focus on them and don't think about the sad thing. At least just doesn't work in grief. Using those other things like, well, maybe God needed another flower in his garden. They're called platitudes. They're overused, meaningless, weightless sentences that we just say because we don't know what else to say. We don't need to make people feel better. We can just be in their presence and acknowledge something awful that happened. And we can say, I'm so sorry that your baby died. That's all we need to do. That in itself is supportive. All the other stuff can actually be a little bit hurtful. And none of us want to hurt them. We think that we need to fill the silence with words. It's absolutely fine to be silent. And it's fine to be curious and ask, do you want to tell me about your baby? What did you decide? Did you end up choosing a name for your baby? When I talk to bereaved parents, I do a lot of education and training for health professionals. And I say to bereaved parents who, who say, my health professional was amazing. And I say, what was it about them that were amazing? The things that were amazing were they were compassionate, they listened, they sent me a text, they rang me, they told me what to expect. People don't expect you to do amazing things like set up a foundation in their baby's name or set up a meal train for them for the next year. Bereaved parents are just looking for compassion and support. And I often, I say to health professionals, acknowledgement and connection. So acknowledge what's happening. Don't skirt around and not talk about it. One of the best things you can do is talk about it and just say, I'm so sorry. You don't have to have a half hour conversation about it, just acknowledging. And then perhaps connecting in some way, just that being human and knowing that what they've gone through has been really hard. Many parents talk about this. As soon as it happened to them, suddenly there were members of their family and people in their community who said, oh, I had a baby that died. I had a sibling that died. Suddenly they learn that it's actually more common and there are others out there who have had a similar experience, which is quite sad in a way that it's something that we talk about so little. We don't know this about the people in our community, the people that we are maybe working with or studying with. I'm thinking about an experience I had where it was our first night out about a month after our daughter had died and we were in Courtney Place and someone said, my cousin experienced the same thing and told us all about her cousin's experience of a stillborn baby. And I get where she was coming from. She was trying to connect with us and say, I've got some sense. But for us at that time, it was like, why is this person telling us about this 
we were only a month down the track and it was hard to hear, but I get where she was coming from. She was trying to connect with us and we do that. We try to connect in some way, but we just need to connect from heart to heart. We don't necessarily need to fill the whole environment with words. I would Um, say the things that could be most helpful is, as you say, not necessarily have to fill the the space and the silence to just to be there to acknowledge the grief to acknowledge the baby if the baby was given a name to ask about the baby to talk to the parents about how they're feeling and that even if you can't understand because it may not be an experience that you've had but through that acknowledgement that they aren't invisible that these parents Mm. are heard And it's another way of their baby's memories continuing to live on. Yeah, totally. And if you're in that close circle, if you're a family or a good friend, be prepared to hear the same stories over and over, to listen to the same expression of love and loss. Just be prepared to hear that and just listen and just be there and be a sounding board or be a sponge. Saying baby's name, if you're gathering at Christmas or something, just amazing if someone else says something about let's remember little Bobby today as well. That's a real gift to parents is that others are also including their baby in their family gathering. What would you like to say to those parents who have lost a young baby? First of all, I'm so sorry that you are in this community that, that I'm in and to know that There is a whole community of people out there who will support you, other bereaved parents who are paying it forward, that your loss is valid no matter when your baby died, no matter the gestation or the age, not to feel that if your baby died earlier in a pregnancy that it's any less of a loss than if a baby died later or around birth or as an infant. What you are experiencing is your experience. And if you feel like you need to talk to someone, there are people out there you can talk to. And however you want to remember your baby is fine. It's your expression of your grief. And as long as it's not impacting on someone else in a harmful way, it is absolutely fine. So if you go to the cemetery every day for six months and that's what gets you through, that's your expression of love for your baby and don't let others tell you that there is something wrong with you because sometimes people really want us to get back to normal in a hurry we all say in in the loss sort of community and everyone knows this inherently I'm sure that there is no going back to normal it's a whole new normal without that person with us and so there's always an adjustment and how you adjust to This massive thing that's happened in your life, that's your journey. So you can find the way that works for you. Some of us are talkers and we want to talk, talk, and we want to connect with others. And some of us are not talkers, we're doers. And so we might want to do something like go for a run, ride a bike, do crafts, build a deck. That's what we do as an expression. Our expression of grief isn't always the same and it won't always look the same as others. So that's, again, it comes back to that's your expression of your love for your baby. 
and how however you express that is valid. If you feel like it's getting really hard and if you feel like you're heading to a dark place, please seek support. And there are people out there who will support you. There's a difference between grief and depression. There are different ways of conceptualizing this. Grief, there's often like a tiny little light at the end of the tunnel that you're moving towards, but depression is not that same feeling. For some bereaved parents who are in the midst of their grief, they'll be pointed towards medication and sometimes that is really appropriate and sometimes it's not. It may be talking to someone about getting a sense of what you need. And there are people out there that you can talk to and we'll have stuff in the show notes that'll point you to different places. Thank you so much for your time today, Vicky, to talk about a topic that we said very early on. It's a topic that a lot of people don't know how to talk about and where a lot of friends and family might potentially try and avoid it for the sake of not wanting to hurt or upset the bereaved parents that they know from this conversation. It sounds like a lot of those parents would actually want the conversation to be brought up, to have their babies mentioned, to be acknowledged for the grief that they are going through. These babies are always with you and your entire family is always with you, regardless of what that looks like. Thanks, Sharina. Thanks for taking the time to talk about this topic. It's really wonderful. This is the Parental Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Sharina Hassan. Thanks for joining me and learning how to more effectively care for ourselves while we take care of our families.